You're listening to The Wrestling Life on iTunes, SoundCloud, and at obpapparel.com. Hey everybody, it's The Wrestling Life. It is episode 149, second week of March 2018. Uh, let's just say middle of March 2018. I'm Ethan. And I'm Liam. We're here. We're on the road to WrestleMania. We have passed the fast lane, and we are now... What comes after the fast lane? I don't know. We are now in a normal lane? I... <laughs> we are Help on the me. expressway? Help me, I'm drowning. It's... <laughs> We're on the way to WrestleMania, and WWE is experimenting this WrestleMania season, I think. Usually, this is the time of year where they do their best stuff, and I guess we can have a conversation about whether or not they're doing their best stuff right now. Let's start with Fastlane, a show that I did did not get a chance to see much of. Liam, I will ask you, because we have not had a conversation about this, what did you think of Fastlane? Um, I it was a better show than I expected. Um, not a lot happened on it that I'm going to remember, but as a show, I thought it was incredibly easy to watch. It didn't go super long, um, and yeah, I thought it was I thought it was fine for the most part. There was uh, the lows weren't quite as low as they have been on some of these other. SmackDown only pay per views, and I thought the highs were higher than I expected um, when it came to some of the good stuff on the show. What did you think of the main event? I did not see any of that at all, and uh, well, that's not that's not true. I did see replays on Talking Smack afterwards of Shane McMahon pulling Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens <sighs> out of the ring as the top superstar on SmackDown, uh, Shane McMahon, made his appearance on Talking Smack after the show. What did you think of that main event? Well, like with everything in WWE, it would have been better if Shane wasn't in it. But, um, no, it was, it was really good. It was It's darn near impossible to have a bad multi-man match in WWE. We just saw you know that, that chamber match they had a few weeks ago was probably one of the worst chamber matches ever, and it was still a pretty darn good match. Um, so it's hard. You know, you got talented guys, most and most of the matches just them doing their big moves to each other. Uh, crowd's gonna be into it, and uh, you know, get excited, and it's gonna be a cool environment. And uh, yeah, I thought it was. I thought it was a, a pretty darn good main event. AJ Styles obviously retaining. He was uh, very good in the match. They they furthered John Cena's uh, story as that we'll get into that when we talk about Raw. But uh, yeah, overall, again, there's really still no reason this show had to happen. Uh, but I'm not I'm not mad that I watched it. There have been shows, especially some of these SmackDown only shows, where I was kind of upset that I had watched it when they were when it was over. And this <laughs> this was not one of those shows. This was a totally enjoyable perfectly fine professional wrestling pay-per-view event. As far as some of the lows on the show, and I don't want to dwell on the negative, uh, there were split opinions from what I've read and listened to in terms of the wrestling opinion pieces and 
podcasts and things things of that nature. Split opinions on the Bobby Roode Randy Orton match, which actually I did see in full, and the Charlotte and Ruby Riot match. I went on record last week saying that Ruby Riot is good, and I'll just say there have been a lot of botches in Charlotte matches lately, and I think maybe we just all assume that Charlotte is good, and <laughs> that might not be the case. <laughs> um, but I don't know. What did you think of those two matches on that Fastlane show? Um, Rude and Orton, I thought it was it was slow, and I understand what they were trying to do because it was a it was a babyface match, and Bobby Brood, for better or worse, wrestles a lot like 2002 Triple H, and that style is not really a good babyface wrestling style. Um, and Randy Orton wrestles like Randy Orton, who has a you know, so both guys had like pretty good comebacks. And once they started trading their big signature moves, I thought it got really good. But I thought it was it was too long and and maybe a little uh, a little boring for for most of it. I didn't hate it. Saw some people that did hate it. I just thought it was uh, I would say below average for a Randy Orton pay per view match, though. I feel like I haven't seen a really long Randy Orton match in a while, and so I was ready for one, and I enjoyed it. <laughs> That's fair. There's just so many things that he does that, gosh, that guy's so good. He's <laughs> so good. And, like, I hear people say, oh, he's, he's like, wallpaper, he's boring. And it's like, do you, do you, you don't like, actually, you don't like the bell-to-bell, then, <laughs> is my takeaway from that. You don't like bell-to-bell work if you don't like Randy Orton, I think, but. Anyway, any thoughts on? I, I know you'll be shocked that I'm asking your opinion on a women's match, but what do uh-huh. you, you think of that Charlotte and Ruby match? I didn't see any of that other than a botch in GIF form on Twitter. <laughs> yeah, I thought it was. I thought it was pretty good. Um, it was tough because I don't think a single person in that arena or watching at home thought Ruby Riot was going to win. We kind of talked about that last week on our on our show. Um, like there's there's a part pretty early on in the match where Charlotte's distracted by the, the rest of the riot squad and Ruby hits her like the she does the like arm ringer into the Pele kick which has been her finisher or at least in NXT it was she might have a new move now um and the crowd had no reaction and then Charlotte kicked out and the crowd gave no reaction cuz they didn't know that was her finish yeah so i think they could have done a lot better job building up Ruby um, I mean, they did let her pin Naomi uh, and Becky, I think, on the way on the way to that pay per view. But they they could have if they had built up Ruby as a little bit more of a stronger challenger, it might have worked out a little better. But I mean, yeah, I thought it was a pretty good match. They did some stuff that I don't think I've ever seen. The sort of the, the reverse Alabama slam into the turnbuckle, um, which which I don't recommend like any other women on on this show to ever doing. Like I don't want to see Carmella doing that to Naomi or something, like because it does look like the type of move that would be very easy to mess up. But they pulled it off, and I thought it was pretty darn good by the end. So yeah, I enjoyed that match. Um, yeah, and really nothing wrong with it for me. And the Bludgeon Brothers did some bludgeoning finally. They bludgeoned. They took their hammers, although they kept putting their bludgeoning tools down to just do pro wrestling moves, and it was annoying me. <laughs> But, uh, yes, they did actually hit people with their hammers. And then uh, this week on SmackDown, they used their hammers to smack steel chairs out of the hands of Big E and Jimmy Uso. So 
they have in fact actually used their hammers as uh, as weapons now. So that's that's one less pet SmackDown pet peeve uh, that I have to ha- that I have to worry about. Um, I thought that beating they did was really well done. Um, I thought it was more literally and just the way it was presented, more violent. Uh, like it was the kind of thing the Bludgeon Brothers needed, because other than new outfits and new gear or you know new music and whatever, they really haven't seen any different than any other pro wrestling tag team. So letting them come out and just run through guys, I thought it was really effective. And that I mean the the power bomb on the steps, which I'm sure anybody listening to this has probably at least seen a gif of if you didn't see the show, was horrifying. And uh, they I thought they did a really good job trying to make actually trying to make those guys monsters and uh, they kind of continued that this week on smackdown speaking of full disclosure we're recording this during i guess it's the end of the last 10 minutes of smackdown now and shane mcmahon has come out for his big wrestlemania announcement i'm on pins and needles what do you think it is shane mcmahon who during raw last night was just sitting backstage with a headset on pretending like he has a job backstage Wait, you think maybe he's actually running Raw now, too? Oh, God. Let me ask that Justin guy from Sports Illustrated what he thinks. Yeah, yeah. Just, uh, the, yes, Sports Illustrated has all the scoops. As as we all know, with, uh, with Rey Mysterio coming in to face John Cena in a few weeks. Um, it drives me insane. <laughs> like, it really drives me insane. The bar, and we'll get into this in a minute when we talk about uh, the new <laughs> battle royal that's been announced. But the bar for, for for journalism about pro wrestling, and we just talked about this a few weeks ago, um, with kind of how WWE has treated women in general, and how all it would take is kind of one mainstream uh, news outlet to really do like a big piece about it, and they'd be hosed. But man, yeah, that guy. I'm just like Sports Illustrated. employs this guy who just gets to make up whatever he wants it's great what a time to be alive we are in a post-truth society now clearly though so like you know that we could make this whole political discussion and i'm trying to get out of here before like you know next next wednesday or something But, (laughs) but i was thinking of that when I saw Stephanie McMahon on my television last week. <laughs> I was just thinking, you know what? She can come on here and say that she invented women's wrestling and that she's a pioneer. And um, it doesn't matter because we are post-truth now as a society. So you can just you can just say stuff. <laughs> you just say stuff, and then if it doesn't come true, you can say that plans changed or... That hey, that's just what I was told, or or whatever, you know. Yeah, you can just you just say stuff. So, I guess the big the well, there are several big takeaways from Raw. Uh, let's just talk about the Battle Royal stuff now and get it out of the way. If you don't know the story about the fabulous Moolah possibly being um, a pimp and uh, being involved in human trafficking, is probably the less jokey way of saying it. Uh, read a little bit. This is all, I don't want to say it's common knowledge, but I will say that the most mainstream wrestling podcast, for better or worse, I like the show, so I'll say for better, is Bruce Pritchard's show. And his co-host Conrad 
asked him about moolah and a lot of the um, allegations that have been made about moolah over the years, uh, fairly recently on one of their shows. And Bruce like tap danced around it. But, you know, I think that was the first time that probably unless you were an internet message board fan, it's probably the first time you had thought of Mula as anything other than the creepy old grandma lady who won the women's championship somewhat inexplicably in her 50s, 60s, 70s, et cetera, et cetera. But the cat's out of the bag now. And we live in a world with all human knowledge available at our fingertips. <laughs> and yes. And just a cursory Google search of the fabulous Moolah, and you will find these stories of these girls that she took their money, she half halfway enslaved them, living, forcing them to live in substandard conditions in houses that she owned, expected them to offer sexual favors to any strange men that knocked on their door. I mean, just... And the, the WWE named a battle royal after her at WrestleMania. She's a pioneer. She was ahead of her time in uh in she's she's a legend watch. It was pretty sickening, man. Like I'm not gonna mince words with this. This sucked and it made me angry. And uh as you mentioned, we're just watching we're we're watching SmackDown. Uh the sh- the, the video package just aired before we started recording, so this is pretty fresh for me. Um Watching like Sasha Banks and Bailey and Beth Phoenix and Natalia and like women who have like a legitimate claim to not being the cookie cutter uh, divas of the past are all there. You know, Trish and Lita. Everybody's talking about what a pioneer Mula was and what a you know what a what a legend she was and what a trailblazer she was. And it's it's just sickening, man. But, and, you know, this goes into what we were just talking about with professional wrestling journalism. Um, that unless a mainstream uh, news person does an article about this, and that's not an insult to David Dixon's fan or to Dave Meltzer or Mike Johnson or anybody else. It's just saying, yes, people who are wrestling fans and who listen to Bruce Pritchard's podcast might know, but for the most part... Uh, Nobody, the mainstream does not care about the the seedy underbelly of wrestling unless it's really thrown in their face, like it was with the Chris Benoit stuff. Or you know that's that's why Ultimate Warrior, uh, a man who wished can, wished a death by cancer on Bobby Heenan, is the face of WWE's anti cancer campaign. That's why you know Jimmy Superfly Snuka, a man who murdered a woman, he murdered a woman got a glowing tribute and his daughter gets to be on TV as the daughter of the legendary Superfly Snuka. Um, because it's Vince's history and these are either Vince's guys or Vince, in some cases, Vince's dad's guys in the case of somebody like Mula, who he has decided he is going to protect and make their, and protect their legacy and make them part of the history of his company. And until somebody forces them to talk about that seedy, gross, terrible, criminal, in some cases, uh, behavior by these people, it will, it's not going to change. And it's frustrating, and it sucks, and they could have named the Battle Royal against 
uh, you know, for several other women who have been, you know, in WWF. I understand Mildred Burke wasn't really a WWF person, and that's a name a lot of people mention. Like, you had Miss Elizabeth, you had Sherry, you had, there's tons of people. There's tons of people you could have named this after, and you choose Moolah. And now we have to watch Stephanie McMahon and all of the current women uh, who actually have done something to to make to change the perception of how women are seen in WWE. Uh, they have to go talk about how great the fabulous Moolah is, and it just it just sucks, man. Like I don't know what else to say. It's just gross. Shane McMahon is being dragged through the backstage area on SmackDown as we are uh, as we're talking here. Yeah, I'm really going through some roller coasters of emotions here cuz you know how much I like seeing Shane McMahon get stiffly beaten up. It but but it's leading to, you know, a big WrestleMania match for him. Yeah, probably a handicap match. Unless they, you know, Ziggler or somebody tags with him. Oh my god, Shane McMahon and Dolph Ziggler as a tag team. It's like it's like the, it's like a page ripped straight from my nightmare journal. I don't I don't have one of those, but if I did, Shane McMahon and Dolph Ziggler being a tag team would be in my nightmare journal. I see. Well, you mentioned, um, you know, them covering up WWE still covering for for Vince's guys or you know people that were considered Vince's guys or Vince's dad's guys. Snooka, Moolah, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, well, my one, my one thing is like as PR conscious as those people are, as PR conscious, and by those people I mean everyone that, everyone else that works there. <laughs> it's really mind mind blowing that stuff like that still gets on TV. As you know, I was, I will say, I was surprised Stephanie let herself be in that video package. Um. I would think she would be smart enough to keep like her footage 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 of her praising this woman out of it because then because I've always figured when that does come home to if this ever does come home to roost and people start writing articles about this that Vince is sort of going to be the scapegoat um and that'll be when Vince that'll probably be what ends Vince's time as the mm. as the head of uh of world wrestling entertainment. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, now, I mean, we have footage of Stephanie putting over her. I'm sure there's footage of triple. I mean, I know there's footage and stuff of triple H putting over the warrior and stuff. So yeah, I don't know. It's, it's a very strange thing. As you mentioned, as careful as they tend to be and as image conscious as they are, and they want to be treated, they want to, they want to see the big kids table and they want to be treated like they're a real professional company um, and, an, and an institute, an American institution. And, but also let's celebrate these monsters from this, from the carny beginnings of this fake sport. Hogan got a shout out from Randy Orton on uh talking smack. I don't know. Did you catch that? I did. And uh, he's, Obviously, he's, and I know it's not necessarily produced by WWE, although it's obviously produced in association with them. Uh, he's all over these these commercials for the Andre the Giant uh, documentary as well. So, I mean, yeah, he'll, 
he'll be around. Like I don't I don't know when when they just pull the trigger and put him on TV, but yeah, I I I think he'll be around at some point. You would have to do it at like the Hall of Fame or something. I think that's the only time you could do it. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, I like, yeah, like just, that's the event. He inducts somebody or something like that or they put, you know, the NWO in or whatever it is. I feel like Maybe that's the only because he he can't do any press, right? Anyway, we're definitely rabbit trailing now. Talking about Vince's guys, Vince was on Raw this week, and uh, there's a show that I did not get a chance to see very much of at all. But they did an angle with Roman and Vince, and then they had Vince explain his actions to Renee. And I was trying to think of, I can't imagine Vince McMahon encountering a modern woman like Renee Young. In any in any other setting, <laughs> just the two of them standing next to each other makes for a very strange visual to me. But uh, I don't know. So they tried an interesting angle with Roman, and uh, they advertised Brock as being on Raw this week. And again, he was not on Raw this week. They're clearly trying to make Brock the heel. I don't know. I like that they're experimenting with the format of the show, but I don't know if this is working. What do you think? It's shoots, man. I don't know what you're talking about. Storylines. This is a shoot, brother. Didn't you notice how Shane McMahon was randomly backstage sitting with a headset on Raw? But he's the <laughs> SmackDown GM. Why would he be there? Oh, wait. It must have been real. Like, I guess that's what they wanted wanted you to think anyway. Um, yeah, I hated that. I hated pretty much all of this. Um, this is... They they went. He Roman is the everyman rebel against authority again. Except this time he's we've mentioned in the past he's he's going more of the CM Punk flavor than the Austin flavor this time. Um, yeah, I just it's it's dumb and I hate it. And you're not convinced everybody's real. And then the the end result of them for the second straight time advertising Brock Lesnar to be at a Raw and then screwing with the live crowd and not giving him them was that they announced Roman Reigns was suspended and they got a giant reaction, a giant positive reaction to him being suspended. So it didn't work, which is probably the funniest part. Um, and, and I just, I just want to so, mention, hang this, on. This... sorry to me, the funniest part was the fact that someone tweeted you and told you that they were handing out Snickers at the arena. <laughs> As, yes, a make, it, as a make good. A make good for Brock and uh, Ronda Rousey not being there, by the way. Yes, <laughs> Ronda was going to be on every Raw, uh, uh, go on the road to WrestleMania, uh, as was said, but as reported by WWE.com, uh, although that article has apparently disappeared uh, since, since last week. Um, and yes, the make good was apparently WWE officials who you have theorized <laughs> were perhaps like, Billy Kidman yeah. and Road Dog, and Road Dog, <laughs> and uh, and Johnny Ace, and, yeah, uh, and uh, Michael Hayes were all were all, all were all there uh, handing out handing out Snickers to the crowd to as a make good for Ronda Rousey and Brock Lesnar uh, not showing up. But the the Brock stuff, this thing where they advertise Brock and then he doesn't show up. One, it's not working. Two, even if it was working. Like that card subject to change thing is supposed to be for the event of an injury or you know some sort of act of God, a travel issue, 
it's not supposed to be so you can just try to manipulate people into not liking a guy because you want them to cheer the other guy. I think that's super lame and it's kind of scummy. I think that's fair for a company that has kind of run away from that. I mean, they used to do blatant false advertising in the late eighties and early nineties ask, well, read about Rick rude being false advertised (laughs) for for those first shows. Um, and he fought Vince on that. He said, hey, if you're advertising me for these shows, I want to get paid for them. Right. <laughs> and he ended up quitting the promotion over it. But, um, I mean, I, we, I have been, we, I think, went to a house show together once where Cena got hurt right before, and they sent Big Show as a late substitute, but they announced at the beginning of the show, you, you can get a refund if you um like if you, b- before the second match ends or something like that right yes yeah if you paid to see basically if you paid to see john cena go get your money back right. by this point in the show right so i think they've they've definitely done a much better job with that over the years and you just don't hear about people no showing anymore <laughs> not without reason right like there was some stuff with Owen, I guess when Owens was hurt or right. banged up or whatever, where I guess there were some shows where he appeared but didn't really wrestle. Um, right. You know, and I, I mean, I always expect and, you know the actual advertised matches will change. I mean, I think everybody kind of expects that. Yeah, and Finn, uh, I mean, Finn missed a show last weekend because he missed a flight or because there were flight problems and he couldn't get out of Chicago or whatever because of snow. Right. I mean, that's obviously it's it's completely understandable. They at the very last minute pulled all advertising for women at the at the Raw house show we went to the night before the Royal Rumble this year, uh, because they had to get all the women to Philadelphia so they could practice there so they could practice the women's Royal Rumble early. Um, so yes, things do come up, decisions are made sometimes, and things have to change last minute. I get that, but this is clearly not that. This is the opposite. This is them deliberately. Uh, advertising a guy, choosing not to use him on the show, and then trying to blame, you know, via storyline, trying to manipulate the audience in in being mad at the guy instead of the company who keeps advertising him when he's not going to be there. And aren't you just shooting yourself in the foot? It's like you want to keep doing business with Brock. I mean, I think Brock is going to go away and try to fight for a while, but he's going to come back because Brock likes money. (laughs) (laughs) And there's, you know, there are probably very few jobs where they're going to pay Brock million, Brock, you know, north of five million dollars a year, um, and he probably has, you know, five or ten more years tops where he can earn that kind of money. So he's gonna want to come back at some point. So you're just shooting yourself in the foot <laughs> by making yeah. this guy. It's like, yeah, he's gonna, he's probably going away for a little while, but I don't think the fight game. I mean, he quit once. You know what I mean? He like, doesn't like getting punched in the face. And now he's <laughs> he's 40 and he has like 30 million more dollars. <laughs> like what? I mean, we can get I mean, we can get to that maybe when it gets closer to his contract being up, but I mean, my thought is unless that John Jones fight is possible sometime in the next 2 years, let's say, I really don't see why he would go back. I mean, I'm sure he can still make a lot of money facing anybody just because he's Brock Lesnar. And maybe another fight with Cain Velasquez or a title fight against Stipe Miocic or something would would do big business. But unless he has that giant super fight 
like I don't like I don't yeah I don't see him staying very long in UFC. I can see him coming in for one or two fights, and then a year a year or two from now, like you said, he's probably coming right back. Um, what do you think of the Bailey and Sasha build on Raw? I thought it was pretty inexplicable this week. I don't know why Bailey is being positioned as the heel in this feud, unless it's all a big swerve. And why did Bailey bother to come out to ringside with her uh, friend that she's mad at? I don't understand. She was repaying the favor because Sasha uh, helped her against Absolution last week. I see. So she's begrudgingly a babyface? Yes. But she really doesn't. She's mad at Sasha because Sasha's a bad friend. Um, a very bad friend. And, but <laughs> she was, uh, she was, this was her make good. She was there to keep them from interfering during the match. But as soon as, as soon as Sasha won, then her debt was repaid and she walked away and let Absolution beat up her friend because she's <laughs> mad at her. <laughs> all right. Thanks for explaining that to me. It's all quite simple, as Mike Tanay might, <laughs> as Mike Tanay would famously say in TNA before trying to explain a reverse battle royal or something. It's really quite simple, Taz. Oh, man. Uh, Jeff Hardy got busted this week. He blew, like, three times the legal limit. Like, shame on me for thinking, like, Jeff Hardy had gotten his act together. I should have known when I heard an interview with him, I don't know, maybe three or four years ago, and I forget who the interviewer was, but they they kind of asked him like, you know, you were pretty messed up there for a while. Uh, did you go to Did you go to rehab? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Get things straighten yourself out? And he was like, No, nah, not really. I just kind of straightened myself out. <laughs> like, <laughs> well, good for him. It's been seven years since his last, you know, very public uh, issues. Maybe he, uh, maybe he's nope. He's still Jeff Hardy. I bet Matt's really happy about this, uh, especially as Jeff was reportedly going to make his comeback in the Ultimate Deletion next week, um, and I guess still might. I don't know. WWE hasn't announced any sort of official punishments for Jeff yet, so um, it's not yeah. good, it's not good to be Matt Hardy in WWE. It's good Just, to be it it's good to be Matt Hardy. <laughs> like I I feel like Matt has sufficiently gotten his life together enough that it's kind of okay to be Matt Hardy now, but as far as being <laughs> Matt Matt Hardy in WWE. I say Matt Matt sent out a tweet like right after the news broke Sunday night that was something like basically he was speaking in in broken Matt Hardy ease, but the tweet was basically I had a kid, so I stopped drinking and I stopped doing drugs. Wow. Like that was basically what he said. He like I have not he's like I haven't touched alcohol or anything else in several years since I started a family. That was basically what he was saying. And so, uh, yeah, uh, I mean, Jeff Hardy has, he has at least, he, does he have two kids? He has at least one. I, d- I don't know. I know he has at least one child, but. You seem like the type of person that might follow his wife on social media. Um, <sighs> sorry, that was, that was mean. That was, um, that was, that was too real. <laughs> That was mean based. Um, I I follow uh, I follow a lot of wrestlers. I follow. <laughs> <sighs> no, I draw the line. No, never mind. <laughs> let's let's just move on. <laughs> uh huh. Um, yeah. So hopefully, 
I mean, for yeah, either way, Jeff Hardy has a family. I hope he gets some help. And WWE, as his employer or his place where he is an independent contractor, <laughs> whatever, uh, they they need to send him to rehab. Um, that's what they should do. And if he doesn't agree to go, then they, I don't know, they got to discipline him somehow. Like, this is, I would really hate to see him, uh, you know, continue down a path that he has been on most of his adult life. You can find people that will say bad things about almost everyone in the wrestling business. No one ever says anything bad about Jeff Hardy as a human being. It's just his behavior that like (laughs) his self-destructive behavior that is just like, he's 40 years old. (laughs) Nobody's mad. Everybody's just really disappointed. I, yeah, I really like Jeff. You know what I mean? Like, of course, as a wrestler, I really like Jeff, and I really hope for his family's sake that you know he he make he makes some changes. It's not my not my position to judge anybody, but I don't know. You just you know, anytime there's family involved, it's like don't do don't don't get screwed up and get behind the wheel of a car if you have a wife and and kid or kids. You know what I mean? Like. It's not just about you at that point. Exactly. Like, don't screw up three other people's lives. <laughs> right. Anyway, I don't know. And I know that's, you know, I. anyway, we can get into the the biology of, of addicts. And it's probably not wise to do that. But, you know, I'm sure that's, you know, a very rational way of looking at something that's not rational. And, you know, it is a disease. So, you know, I just hope I just hope everything works out there. Yeah, that's Smack- that's that's it at the end of it. Hope everybody's okay. SmackDown turned out to be a real a real dud of a show. Uh, AJ Styles beat Rusev. They teased AJ and Nakamura. They teased Charlotte and Asuka. So the men's singles title feud and the women's singles title feud on SmackDown are both babyface matches. Yee. <laughs> yeah, it's it's an interesting idea. Um, mo- Another thing to note, um, for better or worse, is that the challengers for both titles don't speak English very well, um, which, I mean, on one hand, that means you don't get a bunch of needlessly long 25-minute promos. You kind of just, they come out, they say what they need to say, and they and they wrap it up relatively quickly. Um, so I think that can be that can be good and bad. Um, I thought I thought Charlotte Nasca's promo was was pretty good. And uh, you know AJ AJ Nakamura is going to be a great match. Um, I think they could probably do with rather than doing promos in the ring. We've talked about this. They they did that a lot in NXT with with building up his matches. They would do sort of the UFC style like sit down interviews, and you can do a lot of video packages and and then you just have those guys sort of you know. I mean, obviously they can do some stuff in the ring, and 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 it seems like maybe based on on this week's TV that. We'll probably get Rusev and Nadine English against Nakamura and AJ uh, on an upcoming edition of SmackDown. So they can kind of do the, you know, how much do they respect each other and how much do they want to see the other guy softened up before the big title match? Um, I, you know, so they can, they can do little things, but yeah, maybe minimal prom, you know, in-ring promos for, for AJ and Nakamura. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I, I liked, I liked what they did with Charlotte and, and Asuka, and that does feel like one of the freshest matchups possible in the in WWE. So I mean, I'm, I think it'll be all right. I mean, there's there's something to be said for the classic pro wrestling babyface and heel dynamic. 
that is maybe a little bit missing from a lot of a lot of these a lot of the matches on this year's WrestleMania, especially since a lot of the heels on this show are probably going to get cheered more than the faces. But uh, yeah, I, I, I was all right with with the build for Asuka and Charlotte. I did I did think that the uh, the build for AJ and uh, and Nakamura was a little bit lacking. As we kind of hit, hit the home stretch here, I forgot to mention one of the more important things from Raw: John Cena challenged the Undertaker again. Oh yeah, is there any chance that there's any element of truth in what John Cena is saying? about the undertaker not wanting this match and being proud, but not being too proud to post videos on his wife's Instagram and things like that. Is there any chance that they don't have pen to paper and they're still trying to go to undertaker into doing a match? I mean, I suppose that's possible. Um, I just, I mean, I would, I just don't think so. Um, I like what, what, what would he be training for if he wasn't training for a match? That's that's the argument. I mean, I, I don't believe that. I believe that they think he's going to... I believe that they know he's going to do the match. But just to play devil's advocate, what if... <laughs> you know, we don't like to manufacture arguments or do any uh, uh, first take or skip Bale's crap here, but, <laughs> but just what if... What if he was trying to go, you know... What if they didn't have pen to paper yet and he was trying to go actually go to him into doing the match? He, obviously he could just be training because hey people work out uh but maybe he you know i mean he was squatting like re- deadlifting really heavy stuff like uh, i don't see any reason for a 51 year old dude to be doing that unless he's getting in the ring but you know t- in a <laughs> tank top but i don't know yeah i i yeah I'm, i th- i think he's coming back and i think <laughs> i i mean john john cena cut a really good promo i mean he seemed I mean, he was very genuine in, in. I mean, as genuine as someone like John Cena can seemingly be um, at this stage of his career. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, I thought. I mean, he. I mean, he was he was fired up, and he cut. He switched halfway through that promo from silly comedy John Cena into the best promo in the company um, when he cut that promo in the Undertaker, and this. This also ventured a little into the the shoot the shoot we're shooting brother uh, um, category that I'm not a fan of for the most part, but at least he had he had some good lines. The you know you're not broken down. You're too you're just too busy lifting weights and posting videos on your wife's Instagram. That's interesting. I mean, the funny part is going to be when like Undertaker comes out next week and like strikes John Cena with lightning or something. <laughs> And then, but also in his off time, that undead zombie man just lifts weights and has a wife and like a thirty-year-old son, and like it's it's an interesting it's an interesting thing when when they try to do like shoot stuff with the Undertaker, I always find it interesting. Uh, although Kid Rock is going into the Hall of Fame this year, so maybe he'll he'll be the motorcycle Undertaker. Maybe he'll come out in the and the you know bring out an American flag and refuse to take a knee in front of it or something. It is, it is. He won't do his pose. He won't be the dead man because he refuses to take a knee anymore. How about that? You know, I would be more upset about Kid Rock going into the hall of fame because I kind of think he's a garbage person. If I would be more upset if American badass and that cowboy song didn't kick 10 miles of ass. (laughs) (laughs) The problem is, 
You just line up ass for 10 miles, and that's the both of those songs will kick all 10 miles of it. It's just in just great songs. I mean, I was kind of holding out that Fred Durst from Limp Bizkit would get, <laughs> would get in because I'm a big fan of Roland as well. For, sure. If we're talking Undertaker themes, but sure. uh, yeah, I don't, I don't, it's, it's fine. It's, it's the WWE Hall of Fame. Drew Carey's in it. Um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not in a position in my life where I'm capable of being angry about people going into the WWE Hall of Fame. I, I feel and like I, I feel like it's okay to be angry if it ventures a little too much into the all lives matter territory. And look, yes, of course, all lives matter. But when you say all lives matter, you're diminishing the Black Lives Matter movement, which is all you know. So you're inherently diminishing an entire people group when you do the all lives matter thing. So even yes, of course, all lives matter. But don't hashtag that and tweet about it because you're diminishing a people group when you do that. And you need to be aware of that. You're just so, also being deliberately dense when you do that. Like, right. no, I don't think the majority of people who say Black Lives Matter or who are campaigning for gay marriage, let's say, or or rights for transgendered people, those people aren't saying that heterosexual rights aren't important as well. That's... And you trying to imply that they are by doing the, well, all people need this is uh, intentionally dense. And this podcast has gone in a very weird (laughs) direction this week. And I just want to apologize. I don't want to apologize because all of the all lives matter people that I know are low key racists. (laughs) So I don't think that much low key at all. (laughs) Um, Anyway, I don't know enough about Kid Rock to know if he's into that stuff, but I feel like I've read something cursory. You know, I've taken a cursory glance at some articles about him potentially running for senator from Michigan as a Republican, and I feel like there's some All Lives Matter stuff with Kid Rock, so if you want to get outraged about that, cool. I'm just saying those two songs kick ass. Sure. Um, I also want to mention that Randy Orton, <laughs> as United States champion, will also not be taking any knees. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> get out of here while we still have you know like a few listeners and twitter followers and i still have employment or i don't know (laughs) once again i feel i've said too much (laughs) so much to talk about and so much we can't talk about (laughs) all right that's oh yeah um i'm writing about the new japan cup it's happening over at uh, on New Japan World. I'm writing about that over at WrestlingObserver.com. Check that stuff out. I will tell you in my pieces whether or not you need to go out of your way to see the matches. Uh, God bless Chuck Taylor. He's a wonderful Twitter personality. <laughs> Him as a main eventer. He tried. He tried. And Sonata's one of my favorite guys in the business to watch. Sonata can work any style with anybody. Are but... you Are you getting on the Sonata is the guy hype train? Uh, that I see some New Japan fans on. I don't. I mean, I don't think he's the guy, but he can be a guy. He's not <laughs> the guy. Okada is the guy. He could be a guy. Okay. All right. Fair enough. I uh, yeah. I like Chuck Taylor. I assume. I mean, Chuck Taylor's in that spot because uh, Trent Beretta got hurt, right? That's basically the long and short of it. Yes. yes. Okay. That's. I mean, yeah. <laughs> Bless him. Hey, and while we're trashing while we're trashing companies, like we can trash New Japan for you know being tone deaf and still booking Mike Elgin. I'm not saying Mike Elgin legally did anything wrong, morally and ethically. I think 
Michael Elgin did some wrong stuff, and I don't think he should uh, be booked for a while. Yeah, I think that I mean there's the the show recently in uh, where Naito came to America to work some indie dates, and one of them was against Elgin, and and uh, the crowd was very angry at Michael Elgin. And the sad part was, I saw that reaction. I thought this is going to be good for him because people are going to book him because they think about all the heat they're going to get. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, again, we, we just like, we here at the wrestling life, uh, uh, not that I recommend you listen to a lot of our shows from, uh, 2014, uh, <laughs> in the archives on obpapparel.com. But, uh, if you did go back to like summer of 2014, you would hear that we are, uh, the OG Michael Elgin haters long before anyone else was on that hype train. We were talking about what a piece of work that guy was. So, uh, yeah, boo to him and uh, boo to New Japan for booking him. Yeah, but check out uh, check out some of those New Japan shows there. Okay. <laughs> and, yeah, it's not as good, but he's not the guy. All right. I don't have anything else. Uh, do you have anything else? Uh, no. I think uh, – oh, we, you want to talk about uh, Alexa Bliss fat-shaming Nia Jax on, on Monday? She's a heel. Heels can do that. Okay. But how come Braun as a monster gets to like lift cars and be like the juggernaut and Naya has to cry and uh, and be called fat? You have people writing for women that are not women and probably haven't talked to a real woman ever. OK, just just check. <laughs> That's all I got. I didn't right. think it was terrible. I thought it was well. I thought it was as well done as it could have been, considering the content. I just the content, mm, little I mean, little skin crawly for me. I mean, there you could. The, I mean, the way to make the way to tell Nia Jax's story is to not not bring up the fact that she's not like most girls all the time. It's like just treat her. I mean, if you're trying to make her a baby face. Then she's just a baby face now. You know what I mean? Like, like theoretically, yes. Yeah, I don't know. They don't. In theory, if you were a normal man who was booking a professional wrestling company, and you wanted, and you saw that woman, and you wanted people to cheer her, she would just be like a baby face. She would be friendly, and she would cut baby face promos, and heels would cut promos against her and say how they're going to beat her. And then she, and then you know, they would have math. They would have wrestling matches, and and she would win, or, or the heels would cheat, and then and beat her, and she would vow revenge as as a true babyface. But uh, instead, we're gonna call it fat a whole bunch. That's uh, that's what we're gonna do in the world of WrestleMania. Cool. All right. Till next time, I'm Ethan. This is the weirdest. Uh, I'm Liam. <laughs> yeah, we've gone on a lot of tangents, and until uh, ne- yeah. We will be back very soon with more stories and political commentary (laughs) on The Wrestling Life. Free-flowing conversation. Goodbye. Thanks for listening to The Wrestling Life a part of the Elite Podcast Network at obpapparel.com. For other podcasts like this, head to obpapparel.com. The Wrestling Life is brought to you by OBP Apparel. For Baltimore's best local sports gear, head to obpapparel.com. Whether it's baseball or football season, 
We've got you covered with Baltimore's best local sports gear. That's obpapparel.com. Thanks for listening to The Wrestling Life, a part of the Elite Podcast Network at obpapparel.com. Be sure to go and subscribe to us on iTunes. Just search for The Wrestling Life on the iTunes store. Make sure you leave a review and tell us how we're doing. Also, be sure to follow the guys on Twitter at TWL underscore podcast for live tweets during wrestling events and other hilarity throughout the week. That's at TWL underscore podcast. Now back to the guys. Okay, uh, what day of this is uh, you? Consecutive day is this of work for you? Uh, Sixteen. So <laughs> you have to work Friday, and then you get a break. Well, Wednesday, yes. Thursday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, get a break. Yeah. Outstanding. Yeah, man. Have you uh, started doing cocaine yet? Thought about it. <laughs> Several people at my company that uh talk about doing cocaine a lot I'm like, <laughs> i mean just for a second i was like i wonder if that would help <laughs> that's a great answer i was uh, just i was just watching the educational video package about the, the fabulous moolah i'm glad i'm glad that now my my uh as brian Alvarez would say my dander is up now yes uh so when we when we talk about that, we can. Uh, it's fresher in my mind than if. So I think I turned it off during it last night. So did you see the part where Jonathan Coachman thought Bo Dallas was Rhino, and when he got called out on it, began screaming that the camera ma- that it was the cameraman's fault? No, is but, Coach uh, <laughs> is Coach who we thought he was? He is, in fact, <laughs> who we thought he was. I see. I would say so far the highlight of SmackDown to me has been Car- what Carmella is wearing. Uh huh. She's a <laughs> she's a healthy young girl. Uh, <laughs> that's the weirdest possible way I could have phrased that. Uh, sure is. I like how her legs are like whoa bright orange, <laughs> and her upper body is like a normal flesh color. She's got like the. The 2002 Hogan spray tan on her legs. Maybe they're tights. I can't. They, I'm not. They, I, we should stop talking about Carmella's legs. All all of the girls wear tights. Like that. okay, yeah. <laughs> like because either that it would or they would have to wear like body makeup or something because and that would rub off. You know what I mean? Sure. <laughs> because every bruise and everything you would see like that's not how they want to portray them. Uh huh. That makes sense. Just, I don't know. It just this has gotten like, weird. It just looks, yeah, let's just. <laughs> let's move on. So much to talk about. <laughs> so much so... we can't talk about. <laughs> I wish I'd come up with that because I need that to be <laughs> the tagline for this show. <laughs> it's pretty perfect. Yeah. Thanks for working at it. I forgot about that too. Yep. My other thing I'm trying to get over free flowing conversation. <laughs> 
which I ripped off from Bill Simmons podcast, but I don't listen to that anymore. So I'm just stealing it now. Do, do you not like Bill Simmons? Anymore? He's just, he's just kind of jumped the shark. You know, like there's Is a, he a Colin Cowherd style guy now, or no, he doesn't know what he is anymore. <laughs> like when you're writing for ESPN or when you work at ESPN, it's like you're kind of plugged into the sports ecosystem. When you're on your own, you kind of have to force yourself into the sports ecosystem. And he just, I, it's, I don't, I don't, I don't, the, like the guests he has on his show are like, he has like Silicon Valley guys on and oh. like, like he still does a, a fair amount of sports content, but I don't know. I really stopped listening when he was doing his HBO show. He had an HBO television show for like 17 weeks or something, and it was no good. And when he tried to do Katie Nolan's sports comedy thing and was really bad at it. Yes. He's not a a dynamic television personality. Um, And he I guess it was a thing in his contract where he couldn't have people on his podcast like he had to pick and he had to pick or choose like you could either be on the on the TV show or on the podcast you couldn't do both like i guess okay. hbo hbo didn't want him using um the show as a plug for his podcast i'm not entirely sure <laughs> anyway so he went for like 17 weeks or whatever where it was just literally like Cousin Sal from Jimmy Kimmel's show was on. And it's like, he's been a character on the podcast for 10 years, so that's okay once in a while. But And like his buddy Jacko. It's like, he's been a character for 10 years, and he used to call him once in a while. And it's like, okay, I would like hearing from these guys a couple times a year. I don't need to hear Jacko's thoughts on the sports news of the day or the political news of the day or... I don't care. I don't care about you went to this guy's restaurant in Los Angeles and you want to be get free meals and be friends with them. <laughs> and like, I don't, I don't care about, I just don't, he just, I don't, I don't know what he's doing. <laughs> I just don't know what he's doing over there. That's fair. When you look at his site. It's just like, I don't know what they're doing. I don't know what they're doing over there. <laughs> that's uh, that's fascinating. I, I kind of lost track of him once. Like Grantland went away and that and that kind of thing. Like that was kind of the end of me paying attention to to Bill. So yeah, you haven't missed a lot. Like <laughs> I, I don't I don't know. I, I, it's just like I, I found out that like he stopped writing writing columns for like three or four years, and then he started writing them again. I assume because his website needed the traffic, and you realize, oh, he really isn't actually a good writer <laughs> or, <laughs> or like the thing that he used to do that was unique oh like 57 other people do that now and i don't need to get that from bill simmons anymore like i don't know something sort like of that. like i see him as a there's a there's a movie in a book called john carter from mars okay that that was uh it was a lot of the stuff in it it was like a big sci-fi adventure thing and a lot of the stuff it was the inspiration for it predates Star Wars and Star Trek and a lot of other sci-fi. Mm-hmm. And it was sort of a litmus for a lot of, you know, a lot of modern sci-fi, a lot of big epic franchises were spawned out of some inspiration from this John Carter from Mars. Mm-hmm. So like 10 years ago, Disney made John Carter from Mars into a movie with, I think, Jake Gyllenhaal. 
Okay. Like three years after Jake Gyllenhaal was at the top of his game, but you know, we're going to try it. He's a name. Right. Um, and part of the ad campaign was like, you know, before Star Wars, before, you know, whatever, there was John Carter and they, that was their ad campaign. It was like, this guy did it, for, you know, these guys, we did it first. And mm-hmm. here's a movie about this guy who was here first. It's like, yeah, but other people came where you were and did it much better than you since yeah. then. They used you for inspiration and then they approved, improved upon your formula. That's yeah. kind of how entertainment works. And I think yep. that happens to sports writers and sports personalities as much as it does anybody else a hundred percent a hundred percent and you know i was 23 when i started reading bill simmons or whatever you know and now i'm much older than that yeah (laughs) and it's just like i've i've lived this much life between now and then and things that i like i mean well i pretty much have the same interests but But like, you know, I've I pretty much had the same interest since I was four years old. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, it's just like, you know, you know, yeah, your point is dead on. Like, yeah, it's evolution. And it's just like, and he's yeah. absolutely cultu- culturally significant. He did a thing that nobody else was doing, at least on that, on as big a platform as ESPN or ESPN.com. So, yeah. like, you know, I don't hate the guy or anything. I, just, no. I don't need to pay attention to him anymore. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's kind of it. I try to keep on keeping on.